everyone. Be fun to uh, get to turn the heat on for a little bit. Might as well get the air conditioner on. So we're doubling up this morning just to make sure everybody's just right. So while I go the ones that was cold, you got uh, warm, and now the ones that's warm, you're getting cold. So we're double duty in today. Don't you love spring? Ain't spring awesome? How many love spring? Amen. I love spring. God has uh, gifted us with spring. Let's uh, look in our Bibles today in the Corinthians series. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning and uh, look at uh, some text out of 1 Corinthians. We've been studying for five weeks so far. We've got five weeks to go after today's message and leading us through the book of Corinthians. There's a whole lot in this book. It's amazing that this epistle was uh, written for our edification, for our benefit, for our correction, for our instruction, and for to cause us to be more like Christ. Every book in the Bible, if you can't see Jesus in it, apparently you're looking for the wrong thing. And I've heard people study uh, some uh, teachers through theology that I've taken courses through, and they always say that you can find Jesus in every book of the Bible. And we need to find Christ in everything that we do. Amen? It's as simple as that. He needs to be our priority, our first priority, and everything that we're about. So we're going to look today, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you'll put it up on the screen. Let's stand as we read um, these few short uh, scriptures out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is Paul the Apostle speaking back to the church that he had planted. Even though I am free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring Christ to those under the law. When I was with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I could bring to them, bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find, try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this uh, great opportunity to assemble ourselves together. And Lord, just to learn about you. And Lord, to be inspired by you. And Lord, we just ask today that your Holy Spirit would come, that you would open our hearts, open our mind. Lord, that you would uh, touch these lips of clay today. And Lord, that you would let your gospel go forth. Lord, that it would be precise. And, Lord, that it would accomplish that which it's set out to do. Lord, change our hearts in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray. pray and everybody says, Amen. You can be seated. This is one of the key scriptures that a lot of churches today in the 21st century are uh, using as their motto, using as their tagline. First uh, Corinthians 9.22 is this the scripture that uh, just a few short years ago, there was a church down in, uh, that was planted back, I think, in 1987, I believe, that it was planted in Erlanger, Kentucky. An Assembly of God pastor went there, and he, he moved there to start this church and begin the church, and it's called Christ Chapel. 
And when he got there on that site, he, he they went, they rented a school for several years, and they held church services in the gymnasium of the school, and, and God favored them, and there was many people saved and baptized, and, and uh, they, were, they were just growing. Uh, it's just amazing the growth that they had over just a few years. And as the church began to grow and, and flourish, they went out and they purchased property, and they, they built a church building, and then they, they had their own home. And it's a, it's a great thing to have a church building that you can have where that you can meet together that you're not renting. I thank God for our buildings that he has given us. Amen. I feel blessed to be honored to uh, have two places of worship that God can help us. But as this church began to grow, the pastor uh, went there when he was a little bit younger, and the longer he stayed, the older he got. That happens, doesn't it? Seems like the longer we stay somewhere, the older we get. It's just a common uh, rule of life. The more days you live, the older you are. Feels like I get over, older every day, don't you? Every day it feels like I'm waking up a day older. It's probably because I'm a day older. So it's a, just common. It's really, really common. So as this was happening, the pastor saw that one at one point he was, uh, because most of the time they say that pastors reach those within 10 years of their age. Normal practice that you can see throughout church is they reach within 10 years of their age. That's the reason I thank God that Leslie's uh, eight years younger than me. She can reach 10 years younger than her, and I can reach 10 years older than me. Then that gives us a wider span to reach. Not saying we can't reach anybody. I want to reach everybody. But that's common. That's the, the rule that uh, the churches see growth in those areas of the pastor's age. And as this pastor got older, uh, he began to see that the younger people of his church, the younger generation of his church, was no longer coming. And he began to become concerned about it. And he began to pray and ask God, God, what can I do? How, how do you want me to lead this church and this congregation? And give me some insight and some ideas of how to cause the younger generation to come to know Jesus. Isn't that a good prayer to pray? A prayer where that you're desiring other people to come to know Jesus? That should be all of our prayers. Amen. Every Christian alive on planet earth today should be praying, how can I reach somebody else? This gospel that I have received is too good for me to hold on for myself. I should be desiring it for somebody else. So if you see a drug addict down the street or those strung out on, on Oxycontin or those that are addicted to alcohol that's an alcoholic or whatever, maybe they're addicted to pornography or whatever they're struggling with in their life, we should desire to see them freed from those addictions, from the chains of bondage that, that the devil has them bound by. So today as I think about this, that, that the Erlanger Church, the pastor, begin to pray, help me God to reach those that I cannot reach. And I can tell you today that it's, it's like that for me because I pray often, how can I reach those that normally I cannot reach? I want to reach every generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want every person in our community to not go to hell someday and say, nobody told me. Nobody told me about this Jesus. Nobody told me about this salvation where I can be freed from the problems and turmoil of my life. Woe be it unto us at Bethesda if somebody in our community doesn't hear about Jesus. It should be our priority, church. 
to evangelize the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost and hurting and dying out there in our streets. Whenever we talk about outreach, it shouldn't be something that we have to ask. Please get encouraged about going and witnessing to somebody. There should be a throng of people that comes and willing to serve the community and say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me share what Christ has done in me. Let me give my testimony not only on a screen in a church, but out there in the streets of Lewis County. Amen? Whenever we get passionate about something, we change what we're currently doing and do something different. I believe the church needs passion. I believe the church needs priorities. So in this Corinthian message, I believe that Paul is telling the church, please get some passion. Please have some priorities. Won't you look at your neighbor and say, what's your passion? <laughs> you got any passion? What's your priorities? I ask them, say, what's your priorities? You got any priorities? Anything priority to you? So as Paul is writing back to this church, and as I begin to think about this Erlanger church and, and the, the pastor down there, that uh, he is our assistant superintendent in the Kentucky's Assemblies of God today. This pastor prayed and asked God to help. And can I tell you, whenever you pray and ask God to help, you want to know what happens? God begins to help. Isn't that amazing? So as he's praying and asking God, please come through and reach this generation that I'm not currently touching. Please reach these people that I'm not currently reaching. So whenever he did, God gave him this idea and he said, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to give up power. You got to give up power. You know that's hard for pastors to do? To trust people? You know why it's hard to trust people? Because you get let down. And once you've been let down so many times, it's hard to empower others. There's no amens in here. I'm telling you, when you try to empower others and give them the lead and the reins and you get let down, it causes you next time to have feelings and thoughts where that you question the intent of whether you should do that or not. And I don't want my life being guided by questions. Can I hear somebody say amen? I don't want my life being guided by questions. I want my life guided by answers. We serve the God with answers. He can give us answers to our problem. He can give us answers to the trials that you're facing today. I don't know what battles is going on in your mind, but I serve a God that knows you better than you know yourself. I serve a God that's willing to send his son to Calvary to set you free from the bondage that's entangling your mind, that's entangling the thoughts that goes through your mind. And as I think about Paul writing this back to the church that he loved, the church that he planted, it's kind of like Pastor Terry coming to God and saying, used to I could reach, now I can't. Help me, God. Paul is writing this letter back to the church saying, God, please help these people in this church to do the things that they're set to do, that they're called to do. Help them. How long has it been since you prayed that God would help our church? 
How long has it been since you literally got down on your knees and said, God, I need you to come through for our church. I need you to come through for our family. God, I need you to empower those that are walking away from you, God, and draw them back to you by your loving arms. Paul has passion. Paul has priorities. And as he's speaking these things, he's saying, I become all things to all people. I thank God that God gave Pastor Terry the vision to empower others. There's people in this room that have gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says we're all, we receive gifts. That we're gifted according to Scripture. In Corinthians, we'll talk about it in a few weeks, that there's gifts of the gospel of Jesus Christ given to the body of believers. Not to the pastor, not to the board, amen, to the church, to those that are here today and your neighbor that's sitting beside you. We're all gifted in some way, and we're not all gifted the same. It's not according to one special gift that we're all gifted with, that, that that's the only one, that that's the best way. But you see, this whole book in the Bible, uh, known as Corinthians, is all about Paul taking away the divisions of the church and causing people to revision the church. I want to say that again. Paul is talking about the division in the church but he's causing people to revision the church. Can I ask you today that during our vision meeting within a few weeks that we're going to talk about the vision and the future and the prospects that God has given us as Bethesda and it should be something that we're passionate about. If we're more passionate about our past than we are our future, we're in trouble. If all we can talk about is what God used to do, then we're in trouble as a church. It means to be a church that's alive, that's on the forefront, that says this is what God is able to do, not what he did, what he's going to do. So as a body of believers, we got to get passionate about what God tells us to be passionate about. And the first priority in all of that is the gospel. And Paul is saying, I have become all things to all people that by some means I may win some. When was the last time you gave up your rights so others could be made right? That's a big question. When was the last time you gave up your rights so others could be made right? This should be <laughs> something that causes a, a, a check on the inside of us that says, I've got issues. I've got problems because sometimes when I look around at others and I don't agree with them and, and, and they don't agree with me and they rub me wrong and I don't like the way they act and, and, and I, don't, I don't care for how they talk to me and, and it's, it's all about us not getting along and divisiveness and all these things that Paul is talking about in the church. And if there's not a check mark in our spirit, I'm telling you there's no change coming. 
until the Spirit of God awakens on the inside of the believers that says there's something wrong and I need it to change and God, I need your help. That's the moment when we'll see change come to our heart. That's the moment when we'll see change come to our church is whenever we get out of the way and say, God, we need in your way the way of Jesus Christ, the way of giving up my rights for others. It's awful quiet here today. I have become all things to all people that by some means I may win some. Just some. He didn't say I become all things to all people that I can win all. Amen? I become all things to all people that I might win some. Brother Craig, we're not going to get them all. Out of the 13,835 people in Lewis County, not every one of them is going to heaven. But the priority should be that I want as many as can hear about Jesus to go with us to heaven. That should be the priority of Bethesda Church. That should be the revisioning that comes back in our heart and says, I'm going to give up on my little petty, divisive things so that Jesus can be glorified in our community. Because if he's lifted up, he's going to start drawing people to himself. Not through us, but through himself. What is the gospel worth? What is the gospel worth to you? I want you to ask yourself that right now. What is the gospel worth to you? And if you don't know, I'll tell you what the gospel is worth to you. The gospel is worth to you at the point when you say, I can no longer love that kind of person. I can no, no longer reach that type of person. That's how much the gospel is worth to you. Because the point at which you're willing to quit witnessing because of some issue or some trouble or some conflict, that's how much the gospel is worth to you. And I believe that we sell the gospel for a lot less than it's worth. Pastor Terry, when he got the answer from God, he said, God said, you've got to empower others. And it's going to take this uh, a certain type of person to reach this next generation. And you've got to empower them to do so. And God says, you're going to start a Saturday night service. What do you mean, God? Church is supposed to be on Sunday morning. Right? That's what we all believe. You go to church on Sunday. God says, have a service on Saturday night. But God, that's that's just like another service. There's, you're supposed to go to church on Sunday. You can't go on Saturday. You see how much the gospel's worth to us? It's worth to us how much we're willing to change. 
So God said, start a Saturday night service. And whatever you do, guess what? Don't preach. But God, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to preach. Right? Pastor's supposed to preach. I love it at Southeastern Christian Church that I went to down in Louisville. The pastor only preaches 27 messages a year. 27. I'd be fired before the year's out if I only preached every other message. Because pastor's supposed to preach. I love it when Dusty gets to do a whole sermon series because I get a little bit of a break. You know what it's like to wear the burden of the, of the congregation on your shoulders for five years straight, for six years straight, and having the congregation's weight on your shoulders and being able for one time for a four-week message series to allow Dusty to do that and the freedom I felt in the moment of that? That's a freeing feeling. And it empowered him to become a better preacher Come on, somebody. It empowered him and gifted somebody younger than me to be able to have a gifting that he's using, and whenever he's using it, he's honing it, and God is moving through that. God empowered through Pastor Terry and said, Okay, there's a missionary coming off the field. I want you to let him lead this Saturday night service. Really, God? Church is supposed to be on Sunday. Pastor's supposed to preach. God, you're two for two going against the grain. How many knows God's a little bit against the grain? The Pharisees and Sadducees, they thought God was against the grain because they sent his son, and his son didn't come clothed in white like they wanted. He was walking around on the hillsides. He was going out and feeding 5,000 people on a, on a hillside bank and preaching to them about the good news. And you can go read it in Matthew chapter 5 about the gospel that Jesus was preaching, and it's called his Sermon on the Mount. He talked about the Beatitudes, blessed is he. Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't want to hear that. They want to hear how blessed they were, not how blessed everybody else was. <laughs> Ain't that amazing? Just like that for us. So as God is telling us to not act like we normally act and get out of our comfort zone and maybe try something different. Just step out there on the water, Peter, and see if you won't be able to walk. Just get out of the boat for a second, Peter, and watch God do what you can't do on your own. And whenever we as a church revision what God is telling us to get out of the vision and get into revision mode, that's when we do the supernatural. Through the power of God, that's when we do supernatural. So Pastor Terry was finally like, okay, God, if you're telling me to do this, why should I? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. God says, name the service Church 922. Name the church service Church 922. They started with just a few people. I think it was less than 20. 
Because Pastor Terry had saw that kids coming through children's church and those kids that was growing up in children's church and then those they would come through the teenage years and they would be on fire and going to camp and, and loving God and witnessing in school and going to the prayer at the pole day and doing everything they could for the gospel, for the for the Son of Man. Those Jesus Christ was alive in these kids' hearts. And the minute that they go through all this process of going through the church and being trained by the church, age 18, the United States government says at 18, you're no longer your parents' possession, you're your own man. And whenever your own man is that, that you're sitting there at age uh, 18 and you become your own person, you're get, all of a sudden you have, to, you have to think. You have to think for yourself. Then it can't be, Amy, tell Nat, Nat, no, you can't. Or Earl looking at Landon and said, no, you're not, boy. Dad, I'm 18. I'll do what I want. There's a rebellious streak. Comes on a generation that won't honor their parents. The Bible says rebellion as as the sin of witchcraft. And a generation that comes up that defies their parents, that goes against the odds and says, I'm not listening to you anymore. I won't honor you anymore. Woe be unto that generation. Pastor Terry saw these kids coming through his church on fire. And, and he saw kindergartners. He saw uh, school, uh, elementary age school kids that was baptized in the Holy Spirit that would pray and come to the altar and weep and wail and come through youth group and this same process of God working in their hearts. Age 18, they go away to a college and they never, ever return to church. Does anybody see a problem? Is there a reality hitting anybody today that there's, that there's kids just like that at Bethesda that have come through here that we saw, Dusty, that you saw during youth group weeping and wailing and crying and asking God to move in their generation and, and God do something, God move. And the day they turn 18 and they go to college, we don't see them anymore. Seems to be a problem, doesn't it? God says, call the service, Church 922. I've become all things to all, man, to all men that by some means I might win some. What are you willing to give up on your normal in church world to win a generation that's walking away from God? What are you willing to give up? That's how much the gospel is worth to us. Pastor Terry hired this young preacher, missionary, come back off the field. He preached at this church about three years ago. Whenever he preached at this church service about three years ago, people at Bethesda sat there and looked at him like, Who is that and what's he talking about? You know why? Because our language is a different language than those pointing at us. Can I say it again? Our language is different than the age of those 20-year-olds. And whatever we're willing to say, no, that generation has to act like us. 
And until they're willing to act like us, they can never know God. That's how much the gospel's worked out. A few months ago, we w- drove down several people from church at Bethesda. We drove down to church 922 service because they have a worship night, kind of like we had here last night. We walked in that church service, sat down on the seat, and witnessed God move. There was more than 450 people in that room worshiping God at a 922 service. And 99% of them are 20-year-olds. It's a little bit different little bit louder than we're accustomed to. We was told just recently at the church at Kentucky Heights, your music is too loud. I'm not coming anymore. This is coming from a person that had speakers this tall in his house and would listen to ZZ Top and Led Zeppelin full blast. But now all of a sudden when it's the gospel that loud, can't have that. I can do that with ZZ Top, but I can't do that with the gospel. That's how much the gospel works. And this is the big question of this morning, of week five in the Corinthian series, that I want everybody in this room to walk away wondering how much has the gospel worked for me? And what am I willing to give up? so that somebody else can hear? Am I willing to try to do anything other than normal? I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you saw one person come to Jesus last year? Have you been able to hold hands with one individual person and pray with them to receive the Lord Jesus Christ last year? If your answer is no, then you might ought to say, God, change me. God, change me. And this is amazing to me that as this Church 922 has these 400 people that meets together every Saturday night as a group of believers and they pray and they they sing praises to God and 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 the pastor comes up and he's got tattoos from head to toe and he's his arms are sleeved out with tattoos and it's just it, it's off the normal for me it really is i don't have a tattoo i don't judge people with tattoos i don't have one and i but i'm not judging them that do but all too often the church world normal church looks at him says well you can't have tattoos It's scary. It's, oh, no, that's scary. I don't, I don't like that. Bubba's got tattoos. He's covering up Mary's tattoo right now. <laughs> if you judge people, you won't win people. That's a good tweet right there, Judge Dusty. <laughs> Write him down. He's good. judge people, you won't win people. And here's the one note that I wrote for today. In a, in, a, in a society 
that classifies ourselves and groups ourselves according to certain things. This is what, right now, it's pivotal in America. During the election cycle, the election seasons, people get themselves in camps. Can somebody say amen? People get in camps, and they will not look at the other side with a heart of compassion. They will not try to say, what do you understand, and why are you thinking that way, and help me see like you see. I'm just opposed to you, and you're on the opposite side of the fence of me, and there's no moving, there's no giving. That's how much the gospel is worth to us. It saddens my heart to see people say stuff like, there can be no Christian Democrats. I've heard people literally tell me that. If you're a Democrat, you cannot be a Christian. That's how much the gospel is worth to you. Because Jesus was a Republican, I guess. And I've also seen Democrats on the opposite side of the fence that will look at the Republicans and say, you can't not be a Republican and be a Christian. That's how much the gospel is worth to them. And I wonder why there's no legislation can get enacted in America today whenever it's a house divided. You know what scripture says about a house divided? It cannot stand. Jesus himself said that. A house divided against itself cannot stand. I remember on 9-11 when it happened, the planes hit, and the next morning you wake up and, and all this trouble and anxiety and fear and everything on the inside of the heart of all Americans, and we're sitting here and we're looking around what's going on, the uncertainty, the, the, the normal is gone, it's a changing time, and, and they look around and all of a sudden, whenever you've got a common enemy, we wasn't divided over the house then. You didn't have Democrats and Republicans fighting about stuff then. You had them saying, let's go get who did this. Because the enemy was somebody else. But even in that, there's still an enemy. Just because they was born in Iraq. There's Christians that's been around in Iraq for 2,000 years. And we look at people because they come from Iraq and we say, we ought to go kill all those Iraqis. They're the one that did that to us. That's how much the gospel is worth to us. Apparently, Jesus was an American. If there's no giving, if you don't become all things to all people, you're not going to win many. And I'm not saying give up on your belief system. I'm not saying to go against what the Bible teaches. I'm not saying that you can't take this word of God to be true. It is absolute truth. But you've got to take all the scripture. You can't just pick one little uh, paraphrase or one little paragraph that you like and say, well, this is what Jesus is to me, and this is all I'm going to go by is this one little section right here. God is a lot bigger than anybody else in this room. God is bigger, bigger than all of us collectively. He can do things that's above our thoughts and in our intents. Here's my question I want to leave us with today. We could talk about it all day long. 
How much is the gospel worth? But how can you reach them if you're not willing to touch them? So whenever we go and hand out hot dogs on an outreach service for Bethesda Church, I know churches that won't touch people like that because they're afraid of getting bed bugs, afraid of getting cooties. How will you ever reach them if you're not willing to touch them? If you won't hand a hot dog in Jesus' name, I don't know how much the gospel's worth to you. If you won't go down there and hug that little kid that's being raised, on the wrong side of the tracks. I really don't know how much the gospel's worth to you. Let's let you come forward. Paul didn't want anything from his personal background or his personal lifestyle to get in the way of getting to share the gospel with somebody. I don't know what your heritage is. I don't know what your background in religion is. I don't know what kind of church you grew up in. But I'm telling you, we've got to lay it all at the altar and say, God, the only priority is that people come to know Jesus. The type of music that I like to hear or sing, I'll lay it at the altar. the type of fiery sermons maybe that I want to hear if there's some people that don't want to hear that kind that God would allow us to to uh, witness to people in a teaching manner and they come to know Jesus I'm willing to lay that on the altar for somebody to come to know Jesus are you willing to change so that others can be changed you stand. Well, everybody here, if you just bow your head and close your eyes. I just want us all here today just to pray a very simple prayer. I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message today? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Now I just want you to open up your ears and open up your mind and open up your heart. Let that be the prayer of your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me right now.
of heaven, I pray that you would come. Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would minister to hearts in this place today. Lord, through the Holy Spirit, that you would speak into their inner man. Lord, that you would change every one of us in this place today. Lord, that we would rank the priority in our life of being that to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, that when we're around people that are troubled and perplexed, just as Paul changed, that when he was around the Jews, that he would try to act accustomed to the Jews and understanding their thoughts and their processes and God that he could see them come to know Jesus God help us to lay down our lives and lay down what we prioritize for what you prioritize I pray your Holy Spirit would move on the hearts of people in this room today Don't let us be like the Corinthians, divided and conquered. Everybody here, just keep your head bowed, your eyes closed. Is there anybody here that will raise their hand and say, Pastor Ben? feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me I need to change because I need to see people come to know Jesus. Is there anybody here that will raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to change so others can come to know Jesus. Is there anybody here that will raise your hand? I'm willing to change. I'm willing to lay down my... Anybody else? One, two, three, four, five, six... six people here today are willing to change so that somebody else can know about Jesus. Jesus took 12 and changed the world. Maybe six here today can change Lewis County. God, for those that raised their hand that said they're willing, Lord, that they're willing to lay down their, their own ways, their own thoughts, their own intents. God, I pray you would empower them, Lord, that you would gift them with the gospel. And, Lord, that they would go out of these four walls. And, Lord, as whenever we go in and we witness to those in Lewis County and surrounding counties, Lord, everybody they come in contact with, God, I pray that your fire of your gospel would go forth and penetrate the lost, God. Lord, that you would touch those that are untouchable by the church. Lord, I pray that you break down barriers. Lord, that you break down mentalities. And, Lord, that you would break down those that think it ain't possible. Lord, that those that raise their hand, Lord, that they would have fire in their bones, that they, if they would shut up, it would consume them, God. Move in our county, God. Move in our region, God. We pray, God, that you would give us passion, that you would give us priorities. Lord, that we would make the gospel everything to us. Let us lay down our lives for the gospel. In Jesus' holy name. In Jesus' holy name, God. I thank you, God, for that thing which you are doing amongst your people. 
Lord, I thank you for the revival that's hitting West Virginia. Lord, I thank you for that teenage boy that walked into his school and stood in the middle of the hallway and opened up his mouth and read your word and saw 150 teenagers bow their knee to Jesus. I pray it happens in Lewis County. I pray it happens through our youth group. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you're doing in our lives. As always, we'll dismiss our service with this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go be blessed. Love on somebody this week. Let them know that Jesus can change their lives. Amen. Love God, love people. 